Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Happy Halloween to everyone. I hope you're spending your day getting little ones ready for trick-or-treat or maybe wearing a costume yourself and passing out candy at work. We've got some folks in the office here at WDET dressed up for the holiday. Producer Laura Weber Davis is a leopard today, full-body costume leopard. Really impressive. All hour, give me a call and talk about your best Halloween costume or maybe your worst Halloween costume. Something you remember, something that sticks out maybe from when you were a kid, maybe from last year, something you did that uh, that is notable in this sort of Halloween vein. And at the end of the show, we are going to talk about <clears throat> we're going to talk about creepy clowns, people who are maybe still dressing like clowns, even though uh, we've had these incidents with people doing very strange things, acting very bizarre ways uh, dressed as clowns. So again, all hour, give us a call and we'll maybe put you on the air, talk about Halloween costumes, the best one you can remember, the most maybe disastrous costume you can remember. I can remember my daughter uh, a few years ago had a costume. She was a snake and it was a very, very long, windy costume that she couldn't even get into the car with, but uh, she, she insisted on wearing it anyway. So uh, that that probably would be her story about Halloween costumes. But again, give us a call and let us know about yours. Uh, up first today, uh, with just a little more than a week left until the election, it seems like there are still plenty of twists and turns left in this presidential race. News about the FBI's new review of emails from Hillary Clinton have given Trump supporters some hope late in the game. And of course, we keep seeing the polls jumping back and forth. But I wanted to talk now about what effect a Trump loss might have on down-ballot elections. Think about what we are voting on here in the state of Michigan on November 8th. We have congressional uh, races, of course, in all 14 districts, and our entire state house is up for re-election. If Trump loses huge on the presidential ticket, what effect might that have on those down-ballot races? Think about places like Oakland County, where Brooks Patterson a very uh, popular Republican elected many, many times to his job, faces stiffer opposition this time than he has in the past. Could a Trump loss mean a loss for Brooks Patterson for the first time? In Macomb County, Candace Miller, Congresswoman, is running uh, against uh, uh, Morocco, who is the, uh, the Water Resources Commissioner there. Uh, That race has heated up uh, significantly over the last couple of weeks. What effect might Hillary Clinton's turnout in Macomb County have on that race? Uh, To talk about this with me up front is David Shepardson. He's a reporter with Reuters in Washington, D.C. He covered congressional politics for the Detroit News for many years. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, up front, I want to concentrate on these Clinton emails, uh, the story that broke last week about the FBI reopening an investigation into these emails, this time looking at emails that are on somebody else's computer, not Hillary Clinton's, but that may be from Hillary Clinton. And I suppose 
may be classified. Uh, catch us up to where we are with this uh, this whole story. Sure. The whole thing is shocking or yet another surprise. Somebody joked it's not an October surprise. This campaign has had a surprise every month. You know that Before that, there was the September surprise, the August surprise. But uh, several months ago, the FBI began investigating Huma Abedin, uh, uh who is Hillary Clinton's longtime close advisors, estranged husband, former Congressman Anthony Weiner, over allegations that he sent uh, uh, explicit emails to an underage girl in North Carolina. That prompted the FBI to seize a laptop from Anthony Weiner, which now apparently has as many as 650,000 emails on it, including many thousands of emails that were Huma Abdenin's emails. So and the question is, uh, of those, it appears, according to various reports, that there may be emails between the former Secretary of State and her. The, question, the real questions are, are there any new emails, ones that the FBI didn't already review as part of the like review to Hillary Clinton's private server and the 33,000 emails that her lawyers deleted and determined that were personal and not work-related, and secondly, whether there are any classified emails on that laptop, because that would also not be uh, allowed under the law if storing classified emails on a, a personal laptop. On a so, personal laptop, sure. But the issue, of course, is the FBI director made this disclosure 11 days before the end of the, the campaign and said up front, it's not clear if any of these are related to the investigation or would change the FBI's view of the case, because in July, remember, he said that no reasonable prosecutor would bring a criminal case against Hillary Clinton over her use of the private server and over the handful of emails that were marked uh, classified, although not under the traditional way that emails are, are more classified. Yeah. Uh, this The political effects of this are, of course, what have gotten the most attention, and there has been quite a bit of back and forth between James Comey, the FBI director, director, and lots of other people who have questioned the timing of what he's doing and also the process of what he's doing. Talk about how extraordinary this is for him to have interjected this issue when, when he did. Well, no, it's absolutely extraordinary, and you're right. It's extraordinary, the reaction that this has uh, sparked from Democrats, including many of whom who were the FBI director's allies. The Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid sent this extraordinary letter to James Comey over the weekend, basically accusing him of hiding explosive information about Donald Trump's uh, campaign and whether the FBI is investigating uh, whether former Trump campaign officials have ties to the Russian government, and also suggests that he might have violated uh, a federal law that governs uh, that bars uh, you know, government employees from getting involved in campaigns, and accusing him of a disturbing double standard for the treatment of sensitive information with what appears to be a clear intent to aid one political party over the other, Reid said. So it's pretty pretty shocking. And then we saw these other anonymous reports that came out over the weekend that suggest maybe the FBI has been investigating the Clinton Foundation. So at, at the end of this campaign, you have all these different investigations that are being being raised, in the, and which is really unusual because the FBI and the Justice Department traditionally – 
in the 60 days before uh, an election really strive not to do anything to, to interfere in an election. On the other hand, if you're the FBI director, I'm sure what, if you read some of the reports, if he didn't disclose this and Hillary Clinton won and it came out later, would Republicans have charged him with covering up and would it would the first part of her presidency have been spent you know going through why didn't he turn why didn't he disclose this and what were the, those emails and it would it have basically prevented kind of the new administration from getting elected but now that's Obviously, that cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is David Shepardson. He's a reporter with Reuters in Washington, D.C. He used to cover congressional politics for the Detroit News. We're talking about the political news of the weekend, the disclosure by the director of the FBI that he is looking anew into emails uh, related to Hillary Clinton. This time, uh, emails found on a computer. Uh, that that belonged to a Clinton aide who happens to be married to uh, Anthony Weiner, a very famous uh, name or infamous name from New York. Uh, give us a call if you want to talk about uh, what effect you think this is going to have on the election, what effect you think it should have on the election. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. We're also, of course, talking about Halloween today. Uh, what are you dressed as? What are your kids going as? What do you remember from Halloween's past? Great costumes that you had or maybe disastrous costumes that you had all all hour today, we will be taking calls about that as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, leave a comment there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, David, going going forward, of course, I mean, there's so little time before the election. It's going to be very difficult, I think, to measure what effect this news has on... Uh, on, on the outcome at the same time right. uh, and at the same time of course voting has already started in so many states uh, and you see these long lines in places that have early voting people have already made up their minds and cast their ballots uh, but but after the election if Hillary Clinton for instance were to win uh, next Tuesday it seems like this is again something that will dog the new administration in a way that will just make it harder to govern, which, which of course, is, I think, everyone's fear about what will happen once January gets here, that, that the, the sort of ghost of this election, I guess a great phrase for today because it's Halloween, uh, won't, won't just go away, that these were things that we're going to be dealing with for some time. No, I, I think you're right on both points. I mean, first, about 22 million people have already voted, and that doesn't include, you know, people in states like Michigan that have already, you know, sent in their absentee ballots. Those are just people that have gone to the polls in early, in early voting. So these disclosures don't have as much of an impact as they used to, simply because people have already have already voted. And the other question is, how many people are truly persuadable at this point? I mean, people. Uh, certainly the polls show that these revelations make people more concerned or more about Hillary Clinton and may make some less likely to vote for her. But for people who are already leaning toward her, will this uh, be enough to outweigh the problems they had with Donald Trump? Uh, So 
But no, I, I agree with you about the next election. I mean, this has been such a partisan race, and there's been so many calls from Donald Trump that the election's rigged and that they question the legitimacy of the election. I think, especially if this is a very close race, uh, either in the Electoral College or a deciding state, that could make it harder for Hillary Clinton to govern. And also it depends on whether the Republicans control both houses or sure. if the Democrats take take the Senate. Because, you know, even in 2008, you know, when Barack Obama won, you know, the Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell said early on his number one goal was to defeat President Obama for re-election. So I think, you know, I, I think given all the issues around the emails, um, Hillary Clinton might have a pretty short honeymoon. But again, it also depends on how, how the congressional races shape up and how much of a how much of a victory if she does win. What, what the margin is over Donald Trump. Okay. Uh, let's go to the phones here. And again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation, uh, talking about the e- the new email scandal, I suppose, with Hillary Clinton and the FBI's involvement there. Uh, also going to talk about down-ballot races, the effect of the presidential race on other things that we're voting on on November 8th, 313 577 1019 is the number, 313-577-1019. And, of course, you want to call and talk about Halloween? That's cool, too. We'll do that all hour. Let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? You know, just real quick, I thought it was kind of, like, uh, ironic how you were talking about how Laura was dressed up as a, with a leopard. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, a, and on Turner, the movie just went off with the cat people. <laughs> there and I go. thought about this, but you know, but but going to the uh, situation with um, coattails, meaning Clinton and Oakland County, depending upon how the presidential vote goes out and how many people check the straight ticket Democratic, uh, Brooks Patterson very well may you know see his uh, meet his Waterloo. Yeah, I, I I think this will be a tighter race for him than yeah. than it has in the past. I think the question, of course, is whether whether. Uh, the, the support for Clinton can push Vicki Barnett, who is uh, the former mayor of Farmington yep. Uh, yep. Hills, over the over the over the finish line. I'm not. I guess I don't know. Uh, and and I know that what I hear from people in uh, in in Oakland County is that they're thinking very seriously about this this race and thinking maybe differently about it than they have in the past. So uh, we'll have to, we'll have to see. And in a, in a week, how that, how that turns out, Tom, thanks very much as always uh, for the call. Uh, David Shepperson, before I let you go, I, I, I'm curious what the buzz is there about down ballot uh, in Washington, about down ballot um, uh, races. Um, what, what, what's, what, what is likely to happen? Well, I, there is a lot of, a buzz about how much Donald Trump has impacted a lot of these races, especially close Senate races in states like uh, Missouri and Pennsylvania and Indiana. And I, I think you, you see a lot of Republican Senate candidates have really sought to distance themselves, some like Joe Heck in Nevada, disendorsed Donald Trump. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the real question remains for the people for Republicans who don't want to vote for Donald Trump, are they going to actually go go to the polls and vote for other uh, Republicans? Right. And how many conservative voters who will vote for Hillary Clinton are they going to cross uh, you know, cross over and vote for Republicans for Congress? Because in fact, 
so the the Chamber of Commerce and some of these other groups have already started advertising. You need to vote for Kelly Ayotte, uh, Republican in New Hampshire, to serve as a check against Hillary Clinton, essentially conceding, at least for purposes of this ad, that Hillary Clinton is likely to win. Uh, these ads were were put up before the email revelations, but you know, I think generally there's a lot of concern, especially among suburban women and other and um, and minorities that just that Donald Trump, because his you know he his level of support is so low among um, women and minorities that that could tip the balance in a lot of key districts, and that's why again a lot of these House districts that in the past maybe Repub- Democrats would have written off, they're putting some money into and, and trying to you know, trying to make it a, a real race, but realistically it seems still unlikely the Democrats will be able to retake the. The U.S. House, the US but they House, could yeah. narrow the margin. Uh, but but in the Senate, it seems uh, conventional wisdom is Democrats are more likely than not to take retake the Senate, albeit narrowly. And remember, in 2018, the Democrats have a lot of tough races. Yeah. So on day one, um, the it's going to be the campaign starting all over again for control of the Senate two years later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about how Donald Trump may affect down ballot races. Michigan, David uh, Shepherdson, I said I was going to let you go, but that was not true. I'm going to try to keep you for the second segment, too. So you hang on the line. And uh, listeners, if you want to talk about what what you think is going to happen on Election Day with down ballot races because of the presidential race, give us a call. Also, we want to hear how you feel about the latest email scandal. Does this latest uh, news sway the way that you're going to vote on November 8th? Even if it doesn't change your vote, does it change your perception about Hillary Clinton uh, or Donald Trump or the FBI? Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today. WDET brings Detroit to you. News that affects you and the music you love. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. There's a lot of talk in political circles about whether problems in Donald Trump's campaign might spell disaster for many down-ballot Republicans. That's what we are talking about this morning. WDET's Jake Neer took a look at one congressional district here in Michigan that could hinge on the presidential election. If you're looking for a place that illustrates the possible results of the so-called Trump effect, look no further than Michigan's 8th Congressional District. It stretches from Rochester Hills in northern Oakland County, across Livingston County, and all the way through Ingham County to Lansing. Freshman Congressman Mike Bishop was expected to win a second term fairly easily in a solidly Republican district. But now, that's not a given. Donald Trump brags about sexually assaulting women. You're a star. You can do anything. Grab him by the... 
Congressman Mike Bishop supports Donald Trump. That's one of a number of new TV ads from Bishop's Democratic opponent, Susanna Shkreli. She's a 29-year-old assistant Macomb County prosecutor from Clarkston and a political newcomer, but she's mounted an aggressive challenge to Bishop, largely focused on his support for Donald Trump. She says that matters to voters. You can't serve two masters. I mean, the, the voters want to know... Mike Bishop, are you going to vote for somebody who's joked about sexual assault? Are you going to vote for somebody who's denigrated a war hero, who's insulted uh, the Gold Star family of a fallen soldier, who's made fun of a handicap, um, handicap and disabled reporter? Craig Mogger is the director of the nonprofit, nonpartisan watchdog group, the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. He says the recent infusion of cash and TV ads in the race is remarkable. What we're seeing is an, a sudden influx of spending on political ads in the 8th, which must make mean that there is some interest uh, from Democrats in trying to make a play there. Mogger says that money started coming in around the same time tapes surfaced of Donald Trump joking about sexually assaulting women. He says it's probably not a coincidence. In Livingston County, Congressman Mike Bishop is set to speak in front of the Brighton Senior Men's Club. It's a crowd of about 40 men, all older than 65, all white. This is a group Bishop and other Republicans are relying on to show up to vote, even if some of them aren't happy with Trump. Carl Watkins of Whitmore Lake is in the crowd. He says he almost always splits his ballots between parties, and he's not thrilled with either presidential candidate this year. I think the tone of tenor has not been uh, well on either side. I think uh, at, at the debate, people expected more issues, and they got more personalities and personal attacks. Too many personal attacks, less on the, on the things that matter. Watkins says the issues he cares most about are job creation, fairer taxes, and lower crime. Bishop says a massive tax overhaul and the creation of a federal balanced budget amendment are the two things he'd most like to see happen in the next two years. He's been trying to bring attention back to those issues and away from Trump, so much so that he recently said he would no longer answer any questions about the GOP presidential nominee. He walked that back a bit after the event in Brighton. And, and I don't mean to suggest that I'm drawing a curtain and you can't ask me any questions. Certainly you can ask me questions. I just don't want to, I've, I've already spoken very clearly about how I feel about what he said. I disagree with it. I think it's abhorrent. Um, but I want to move on and I want to talk about things that are important. Bishop says recent media coverage has unfairly distracted from those issues. The indiscretions of, of Hillary Clinton and all of the things that are coming out right now have been completely ignored for, my, for the most part by the media. It's all about what Trump said and how he said it. And they are trying to hang the entire Republican Party by those words. Now, there's no sign that Bishop is in serious trouble at this point. The few public polls released recently still show he has a comfortable lead. But all indications are that Democrats think there's a chance. Just a few days ago, President Obama got involved in the race, endorsing Susanna Shkreli along with 30 Democrats in competitive races around the country. It'll be tough for Democrats to take back the House in November, but they could have a shot if districts like the 8th are in play. I'm Jake Neer, WDET News. And joining me now in the studio is Jake Neer, producer Hello. here at Detroit Today, reporter here at WDET. Welcome to the studio. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be in here. Absolutely. We still have <laughs> David Shepardson, a reporter with Reuters in Washington, D.C., used to con cover congressional politics for the Detroit News on the line as well. And if you want to join us to talk about uh, the effect of Trump's uh, presence on the top of the Republican ballot on down ballot races, 
Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. We just heard a story by Jake Near about the Michigan 8th Congressional District, where freshman Congressman Mike Bishop, uh, somebody who is a very familiar face in Michigan politics, very familiar face in Republican circles, runs in a district that is without question drawn to preserve Republican advantage in Congress, all of a sudden finds himself in a real fight to be reelected. Susanna Shkreli, a name that almost nobody had heard before <laughs> a few months ago, now seems like she maybe has a chance. How, how real is that chance, given those things I just talked about, Jake, uh, in, in terms of the way that district is drawn, in terms of the deep, deep roots that Mike Bishop has especially in that district. Mm -hmm. uh, he used to represent a part of that district in the state Senate, of yep. course. State Senate uh, Majority Leader. Yeah, right. He was a state Senate Majority Leader. His father was a politician from that area. So it's not as if this is... Uh, somebody that they would throw over lightly, I would think. Sure, yeah. And I, I think that it's important for me to sort of say that even though this is definitely, the fact that we're even talking about this race is significant, but it's also important to note kind of what I said at the end of that piece there, that um, there's no indication that he's, you know, really fighting for his life, that he's in serious trouble right now based on the public polling that we've seen. Uh, this this whole uh, effort from Democrats to really make this a competitive race uh, has to be based on internal polling because we haven't seen anything publicly that would really suggest, other than the fact that these campaigns are acting like it's a real race, that it is, uh, that it's close. But at the same time, if you look at where this district is, um, Michigan has uh, just a couple of races that uh, people have talked about being competitive uh, this year. I mean, one is up in the UP, the first district. Another one is the seventh congressional district, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, around, uh, I guess, West Celine. Yeah, exactly. And but but this one is a little different because it's it's it touches Oakland County. It goes all the way into Lansing. Um and I, everyone that I've talked to has said that this one could be more susceptible, susceptible to a swing based on what happens with Trump than these other districts up in the UP, up in northern lower Michigan. Uh, Trump is a little more popular than in Oakland County. But uh, there are Democrats I talked to that think Hillary Clinton is going to win the 8th district, even though it was drawn for Republicans. Yeah. And it's a really interesting situation. And that gives that gives somebody like Susanna Shkreli a, a chance. I mean, if, exactly. if Hillary Clinton can win the district, then perhaps people look down the ballot and say, ah, I'm going to vote for a Democrat, too. Or they just pull that lever, which is going to be available to them thanks to a, co a court ruling. Uh, to be able to vote for all Democrats if that's right. what they want. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Uh, Trisha in Centerline. Trisha, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey, how are you? I, I'm good. How are you? Good. I feel like I'm way off topic because I'm, I just... We are, we are talking about everything today, so nothing <laughs> is off topic. We're talking about emails. We're talking about down ballot. We're talking about Halloween. So <laughs> take your pick. <laughs> okay, emails. I am so tired of hearing about the emails, and it almost it's scary how, how, just, like, how hard they're going after her about these emails. What are they going to find now? Like, if, if somebody was looking into my stuff that way or any other politician, I mean, I feel like they would just be pooping their pants because, <laughs> so, you know, like, it's, it's, it's when is it going to stop? And, I mean, is there a limitation to what they can do? They haven't found anything. And then the minute they find them, it's going to be leaked. Like, 
to me, I feel like her server was stronger than anything because, <laughs> you know, like, no, there was, we didn't hear, we didn't see this stuff before until it gets in the hands of the government. And then. So, just, so, so Trisha, let me ask you this question, though. Um, does it not bother you at all that Hillary Clinton used a private email server as Secretary of State and may have may have handled classified emails uh, on that private server? And then does it not bother you that she's sort of slow walked her way to sort of full truth about this, that, that she hasn't really come out and just said exactly what was going on, exactly why she did this, exactly how she handled it up front, that it wasn't until she was cornered, really, by this investigation that she started to really talk about it. And I, those things don't don't make you question her her ethics in any way? You know, it, 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 of course it, it would concern me about her using her own personal server in the name of security, but I grew up with a, a stepfather who's in IT, and I learned IT very young, and I am an engineer now, and, and I... I do everything I can to get a, you know around our security because it, it really messes with what I can do with my job. Yeah. But I mean, even with that aside, um, the fact that nothing was like I said, like we didn't hear about things, we didn't see her emails until they were handed over. Right. Um, that that says something to me. The other thing is that uh, that with her not being straightforward, um, I feel like if she would have been straightforward, she would have been hung right away. I, and I feel like probably, I, I mean, I am not a politician, but I would imagine that every other politician w w would feel the same way. Um, yeah. Honestly, yeah, I do. I feel, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not a political person. I, I'm, I'm not even good with people in that kind of way. I can't read people. I can't, you know, I can't manipulate people. I'm not good like that. But I feel like as a politician, that's what you have to be best at, and, and, if, and you have to, you know, try to be on the innocent side. I don't want to give her excuses. I don't like when she debates and she avoids questions and she doesn't take them direct. I love when she does, but um, but yeah, I feel like she would have been hung. She would just I yeah, feel you like, feel like she hung just her. didn't have any choice. All right, Trisha, yeah. thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for the call. What are you What are you going as for Halloween this year, Trisha? <laughs> I am not doing. Not, I'm not either. So yeah. uh, don't feel bad. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All thanks right, very thank much you. for the call. Uh, David Shepardson, a reporter with Reuters in Washington. Uh, there we hear that that pushback from, and I think it's important that we hear that pushback there from a female voice. I mean, I think that's one of the things that is difficult for Republicans and particularly Donald Trump trying to push this email uh, story. Uh, as Trisha says, uh, this just would have come down like a ton of bricks on Hillary Clinton if she had been up front about it uh, uh, initially. And uh, I think there are a lot of people who feel like that. And I think the caller, she makes some good points. One, that there is no evidence that her private server was ever hacked by the Russians or any other foreign intelligence service. So there's no indication that any anybody, any of those emails ended up in the wrong hands because of 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 hacking. Uh, and I think you know, you know, the Clinton campaign would would say, "Hey, you know, we've been dealing with this email issue for you know months and months, and she has come out and said I, I made a mistake. I should have done this differently." And sh they've tried to make the argument that, that Donald Trump has not been as as forthright about mistakes they would say he'd made, be it the the Trump Foundation or the Trump University or attacking the federal judge or the the Khan family or any of the other litany of, of issues that they've, they've raised. And, you know, the Clinton campaign 
feels like there's been a double standard in in this campaign. But on the other hand, I do think people have legitimate questions about what were in the 33,000 emails that her attorneys deleted that and when they, after they deemed them personal. Remember, these were done through keyword searches. They didn't actually read every word of every email before they discarded some. And and I and I think this feeds into sort of the people's long-standing perceptions about the Clintons and raises questions about whether they don't always play by the same rules that other other people do you know, by setting up a private server in their in in their house where other government employees are expressly told they have to use government email for everything or they could be they could face discipline right right uh, let's go back to the phones here Brendan in Detroit Brendan welcome to Detroit today thank you yep uh, I just had a couple things I wanted to say about the emails as well. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a lawyer, and I've uh, done uh, more email review than I care to remember <laughs> over the years. Yeah. And uh, a couple things. You know, first of all, the FBI knew that Hillary was obviously sending emails um, to other people, including uh, Huma Abedin. And the FBI didn't go out and subpoena all of these other recipients to the emails to see if they could um, track down additional emails. So in the scope of the investigation, the FBI decided, apparently, that that was not part of the scope. That was beyond the scope. And now these emails fell into their lap. Um, And so, to me, it's really kind of a non-event, and it's something that the FBI could review within a matter of days. I mean, they have IT forensics uh, experts, and they have thousands or hundreds, at least, uh, lawyers that they could tap and within one day, they could filter through all these emails, figure out which are duplicates. The ones that aren't duplicates, they could read, and then they would know whether there's something to announce um, or to reopen the investigation. So in this environment where Trump uh, you know, does not uh, uh, care about what's factual and what's made up, to announce something like this is really uh, just uh, ex- so explosive. So I think all the criticism against Comey is really justified. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, I mean, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting take on it. And I'm not sure I've heard a lawyer give that kind of explication before about, about what's going on. But it does raise that question about then, I mean, if you listen to what you're saying, Brendan, and then compare it to what's happened, there's some, there's some disconnect here, right? And there may be some question, right, uh, between what the the Justice Department, or the, what the prosecutors were willing to let the FBI do, right? Because if, in order to send subpoenas, the the the, the public integrity section of the of the Justice Department would have to approve it. So, and there've been some published reports that suggest there's been a disconnect between the FBI and right. the federal prosecutors about various Clinton probes and about whether the FBI might have wanted to take investigative steps that the Justice Department didn't. And in fact, these other reports say that the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, expressly counseled the FBI director not to make this letter, send this letter to Congress Friday, given how close we are to the election. Yeah, yeah. John, thanks very much uh, for that for that call. Let's go to John in Detroit. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Steve. Yeah. I, I want to... Uh, uh, first of all, agree with uh, the lawyer they just called about uh, this being a non-event, and and uh, you know, I, in addition to what he said, 
I think, you know, Huma Abedin has been described as a very secret, a very loyal, extremely loyal person to, to Hillary Clinton, which is admirable. But does anybody really believe that she would have shared anything secret, anything confidential with her estranged husband? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's one of the questions. And even if you don't think she would have, don't you think that's something the FBI ought to, ought to make sure about? Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, I, I guess so. But like, like, the, like the lawyer said, you know, it, it, this, you know, uh, they knew, that, the FBI knew that she was, that Clinton was uh, emailing things to Huma and, and all that. And they never, they never went ahead and did anything else. Uh, they, they never searched for the emails anywhere else except for what they did already back in June when they made the announcement. But the other thing I want to comment is, you know, this Mike Bishop position, like a lot of Republicans, like Marco Rubio, you know, there's, oh, I, I, he's a con man, he's a fraud, he's, he's day, too dangerous for the nuclear codes, he's, he's, he, he's uh, despicable, as Ted Cruz said, he's, you know, everything else, but, but I'm going to vote for him. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, so you don't buy the distancing that Republicans no. are trying to do. No, and, and Bishop, is he, is he going to vote for Trump? think he is I think well he, that's uh, good there you go <laughs> no, i don't know I mean, that you know, i mean mike bishop yeah. may, may go in the booth and do whatever he's going to do he, he certainly I, sounds yeah, like he's going to vote but for he, trump but, he, but if he's a, but if he's a, a politician as he says that you know he, he has a conscience and everything else why would he vote for a guy like that who's who shares things with russia let alone whom i have uh, go ahead, Jake Neer. Thanks, thanks very much for that call, John. Sure, sure. I think I think John's comment about uh, the GOP trying to distance themselves from Trump is is sort of is especially interesting here in Michigan. It really highlights what is the most sort of interesting thing here locally in Michigan. Stephen, last week on the show when we were talking about cities and mayors, talking about how 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 Trump has his whole campaign is sort of predicated on this dystopian view of not just cities, but sort of the United States as a whole, right? That, um, you know, we are uh, far away from where we need to be. Uh, we're not doing very well as a country. We're not doing very well locally, sort of. What's interesting about that, though, is that across the country, Republicans have more state legis- are in control of more state legislatures. They're in control of more governor's seats. They're in control of so many different levels of government across the country. So it's really in... Republicans' best interest to take credit for a lot of the things that are happening locally for them, especially here in Michigan, where the governor, Rick Snyder, has, um, you know, done far-reaching things to to try to fix things. And, and he wants to take credit for Detroit. He wants to take credit for Michigan's turnaround, for the, the auto industry turnaround, all these sort of things. And yet Trump comes in and, and, and then says, hey, look, um, we're in a bad place. And then, and then Republicans are in this weird position where they have to both say, yeah, you know, well, uh, you know, we support Trump. I mean, this is beyond just the, uh, the, the sort of um, uh, outrageous things that he says, uh, you know, it's on policy things that Republicans are in a bad position with Trump, that they need to, you know, uh, defend their own records against him in many cases. And that's happening to a lot of people right here in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for that call. Uh, let's go to Glenn in Detroit. Glenn, 
Yes, hi, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Some really good calls today. Listen, I'm interested in uh, the thinking about uh, what's going to happen after Hillary Clinton uh, gets elected. And if you think uh, or your guest thinks that there's going to be any change in Washington, is there going to be any change in terms of the Congress working with the president? Or is it going to be another four years of a standoff between uh, the Congress and the president, and uh, if 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 it's not, or, or or in either case, what's it going to take to finally get Washington working together? We've got to have the Congress working with the president, otherwise, it's a, a waste of four years. Yeah, great question, Glenn. Thanks very much for the call. Uh, anyone want to take a crack at that? Are we going to see a Congress that actually wants to govern come January first, whether it's controlled controlled by Democrats or? Republicans, David yeah, I'll, I'll let David take that. Yeah. <laughs> David yeah, Shepardson, I'll give you a crack at that. <laughs> so um, one problem is that what we've seen, because the uh, the the House uh, districts have become so gerrymandered, that is, so many seats are deemed safe seats, that more than 90% of incumbents in 2012 and 2014 won re-election. So the fact that, that an incumbent is even facing a serious challenge becomes... A big, uh, a big story. Even though the vast majority of the incumbents in these these challenges, these challenge districts, ultimately win anyway. So what happens is the the parties have more and more control over the you know the, the election because there's no there's no real challengers. So that pushes both both parties further away from the center. Uh, and as a result, you see less and less incentive to compromise. You have 40 members of the the House in the the Tea Party Caucus who've already signed on to a letter saying that there should be no compromises with Hillary Clinton if she's uh, elected. So, it, it it already there's already a lot of questions about how will Paul Ryan be able to 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 run the House, assuming that. Assuming he's still elected. allowed to do that, I mean, right, right, exactly. Assuming, right, assuming he gets reelected. So, I think the prospects for real compromise, given the current system, are somewhat remote. I mean, there's always a honeymoon, and I think a lot of experts think that Hillary Clinton would tackle immigration in, a, in, a, in an infrastructure bill that might have some bipartisan support. But you know, if you see what happened in, after Mitt Romney lost, you know, there was you know Republicans basically went back to. They didn't. They didn't take a lot of lessons from it, and it's hard for either party when they lose to to shift dramatically. So I think the, I think the prospects for for real for, for Congress and the president, especially if there are different parties coming together, given the state of of how the House districts are structured, uh, is not great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you very much, David Shepherdson, reporter with Reuters in D.C., for being here on Detroit today. And uh, thank you, Jake Neer, for coming into the studio. Anytime. Yeah. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about Halloween. We're going to look at the history of scary clowns and why we have always been just a little creeped out by them. Stay with us on Detroit Today. (laughs) 